0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Courage in Action. I have to say I'm a little bit awestruck by our guest today. She embodies courage in every way I can imagine. Her life journey has empowered her to strip away the silence and shatter the stigma around mental health. I believe now more than ever, we need to have a safe space to talk about mental health and what we can do to overcome and deal with it. I am honored to be a part of her journey and so thankful to her for being here to share her wisdom with all of us. So it is my great pleasure to welcome Michelle Anhang.
1: Michelle, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. We're so happy to have you here.
0: Um, and Michelle, I just wanted to start off, um, I know your work is, is very much dedicated to individuals and families facing mental health uh, challenges and, and you really help them find balance. Um, and all of this is based on you arriving at this point in your life based on, on your life journey and your life path. So would you mind sharing a bit of your story about how you got here?
1: Sure, happy to. Um, I'm just thinking where where I want to start, but uh, <laughs> um, I, I'll start with um, you know my my story of meeting my husband and and our little romance. Um, we knew each other since we were kids. We were eight years old when we first met we grew up in the same community oh my and God. yeah yeah and then I think when we were 16 we like snuck a kiss at the back of a restaurant <laughs> where he was working and it was one of those things oh. where we just kept crossing paths we always had common friends um and um yeah then at 18 we started dating and at 22 we got married <laughs> oh my gosh we were wow. very young but uh that was kind of the way the way things were done uh, in our community. It was like, yeah, get married young. What are you waiting for? So, so we did. Mm-hmm. Um, had two little boys, uh, Eric and Zach. And uh, shortly after um, Eric, my older one, was born, um, my husband Ellie started um, experiencing changes in his mood, in his behavior, um, and you know, it, it was. Interesting because it was very like they were very sporadic. It wasn't something that we were painting a clear picture. And it was only you know a few years later, after um, my younger son was born, that um, things started to really unravel. And um, he he was unable to continue working, uh, mostly from depression. Uh, but he was diagnosed eventually with bipolar disorder and a form of schizophrenia. He was wow. keeping all of this inside, um, didn't talk about it, uh, you know, and even when we had the diagnosis, it was one of those things, again, like mental health is not talked about. Sweep right. it under the rug. You put on, you know, you put on your smile. You get out there and you know, paint yeah. that picture of life is perfect uh, yeah. when it really wasn't. Um, he had to stop working um, when my kids were, I guess, about four and a year and a half, mm-hmm. uh, and those couple of years were really rough. He, you know, they were trying different medications. It, you know, nothing was working. They were trying to up. Um, you know, just the treatment, I think at one point they were talking about electroshock therapy and that, you know, he was like, I don't want to go there. So, you know, nothing was really working to help him. He was losing hope. I was in this space of just, you know, put one foot in front of the other. I was on autopilot taking care of two very little children at this point, working two jobs because he wasn't working and, and taking care of him in whatever way that I could. Um, and sadly, um, when just a, a couple of months after his 35th birthday, he died by suicide. And, um, that obviously was, was really shocking. It was uh, not something that I saw coming, even though he was sick, and he wasn't psychosis at this point. It he never talked about like, you know, you hear people saying like, you know, that people might say, Oh, you're better off without me, or I'd rather be dead or things like that clues, nothing like that. And Mm. so it was a real, real shock. Um, And then to make matters even worse um as the family was gathering when we first heard the news uh one of the family members turned to me and said what are we going to tell people
0: Uh,
1: and yeah yeah. and you know surprising and not surprising because you know that was kind of the space we were in and of course you know hearing that question it was like oh i i don't know and then right away all of my shame started coming up of just like triggered you know yeah yeah and like Maybe I did something wrong. Maybe I didn't do enough. How could I have prevented this? What am I going to tell my kids? Because I couldn't wrap my head around it. And then, when when the person continued and said, "You know, why don't we say it was an accident?" I was like, "Yeah, let's do that." <laughs> you know? And Oh my gosh! Yeah. So that is what we told everyone, mm-hmm. and um, kept that secret for over ten years. Wow! So, yeah, and that
0: yeah. must have been it's almost a weight and that that would have been very heavy. Oh,
1: it was huge. Um, You know, on so many levels, like, you know, for one thing, not being able to grieve Mm. the real cause of death. Real. Yeah. So here I am pretending that this was just a random accident Mm. and, you know, and of course, you know, we didn't get into details. We just said an accident, but people in their minds, Need to find some kind of meaning and make sense of it because it's you know not every day that you lose a 35 year old that that you know, yeah. And so then people just started making up stories of like, oh, you know, he was you know crossing the street and was hit by a bus. He was in a car and was hit by another car, and you know, and it, and I just was in no space to say yes. I just just manage or answer correct. anything. Sure. I yeah. was just keeping it all in and um you know just over that yeah so so pretending to grieve an accident even though I was filled with so many more emotions around his death um and so that you know put me into depression and um I had anxiety over those years of worrying you know what if my kids find out Um, what if somebody says something and they hear it and then they get angry at me? What if I get called out as a liar? You know, so many things of just always worrying and then also worrying that, well, what if I tell the truth and then I'm called out as a, like either way, there was no winning in this situation.
0: That's so much additional stress on you on top of everything that you had to deal with. Wow. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So just, just completely shut down. And, you know, being in this, you know, space of being closed off, not feeling, you know, it was very toxic. Then, you know, I just had more and more toxicity that I attracted into my life. And so it was in a very, very unhealthy space overall.
0: So, so many things about that, 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 I'm sure people have questions about, and they're wondering. So you you knew him his entire life. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: And then the signs slowly started to show. So it's almost a question of um, how do you identify? And then how do you start to sort of open up that, the lines of communications with someone that, that you love and you may be worried about or concerned about without, without that trigger because there is so much Rid, to me ridiculous shame and stigma around mental health and it is truly um it's the same as having a physical illness to have mental health challenges yeah so yeah. how would we approach like how would we change how we approach that
1: oh there are so many so many layers <laughs> to yeah this. yeah it's very complicated. Um, yeah um you know so, and one thing i do want to say um for, you know, if there are family members that may or, you know, may not be looking at, you know, hindsight's always 2020, you know, and one thing that I saw in myself, like I saw there were issues, but being so close to it and living it every day, like you don't really see, like, you know, it's only when you look back and like kind of lean back at the big picture, like, oh, okay, I guess that was a sign. And that was a sign. But when you're in it, you're not necessarily seeing it. And that was the thing that like, for us, it got to a point where he just, he couldn't get out of bed for days. Mm. And that was when, when I, you know, said, I think we need, we need some help, yeah. um, you know, and getting the treatment. Um, but I think, um, you know, going back to your original question, opening up that conversation um, and overcoming the stigma. So there they're, they're kind of, I want to unpack each of them separately. Um, So, so, you know, starting the conversation, you know, if somebody who's listening hears, uh, you know, or or suspects that somebody is not doing well and might have a mental health challenge, what I generally recommend is just send them to their family doctor first. Okay. Because there's, because of the stigma, nobody wants to be labeled. Yes. As having a mental health challenge. Yeah. Or a mental illness. And we're also not qualified to know. And, and you know, what I've learned over, you know, the course of my, you know, work and doing what I do, um, I read, I've learned that there are other health issues that have symptoms that can look like depression and can look like anxiety. So a oh, thyroid okay. issue, if it's hyperactive or hypoactive, Yes. might cause changes in energy levels. Uh, a vitamin B12 deficiency oh, will okay. will look a lot like depression. You're tired, you're lethargic, you're sleeping all the time, you're not particularly feeling happy just because you're so exhausted. Right. So, you know, so on in two on two sides, it, it helps um and, and it helps somebody be, you know, I guess increase their chance of getting the help that they need because they can go to their doctor, get the full blood work done. To yeah. rule all of that out. And yeah. the doctor is also trained to identify mental health challenges. So okay. they let them be the person to say, I think you might have depression. Right. And you know, the person is more likely to receive the information coming from their doctor than from us who are really Absolutely. Not qualified. Um, yeah. and then the other side of your question around overcoming our own fears and, and challenges yeah. around the stigma. I, you know, I think it's really first looking at our own judgments. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, like the, the way that we're on a global level, we're going to be able to change this is really just noticing what assumptions am I making? Um, what stories do I have around mental illness? Where am I maybe judging somebody? Um you know, or knowing somebody that has mental illness, what, you know, what have I decided about them? <laughs> and, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, really just changing the way that we, we think about them, because I didn't realize how, um, how much I was judging until I started really examining and it's like, oh, okay, well, well, we're just like, oh, somebody's crazy. Well, crazy is, you know, not it's a very, very nice way of, you know, addressing that. Certainly a
0: judgment right there. Yeah,
1: and and so much of the language that we use, um, yeah. you know, of I, just being more careful around that, you know, now there are, are lists of things that we do and don't say that, you know, it might be insensitive to somebody who might have a mental health challenge. Right. And really about detaching um, the illness from the individual, you know, yeah. we, there's so many times where we'll say like somebody is bipolar, It's like they aren't bipolar the same way right they have have it, right? So it's just like they have cancer and they have bipolar. Yeah. They aren't cancer or bipolar. So just noticing that. And then when we start changing our language, you know, it starts changing the way that we think about things. But yeah, it's really about reflecting on where, you know, where am I caught up in it and what can I let go of and, and shift.
0: And I love that you said, you know, think about your own judgments, because as you're saying that I was reflecting on myself and I just called the stigma ridiculous. And that's because I, you know, I find it frustrating that we aren't able to talk about it, but there are, to your point, so many layers and complexities and cultural beliefs and it's not an
1: easy, you know, and
0: I don't want to, I don't want to belittle it by calling it ridiculous. It is so challenging and that's why I said I believe that you know you live courage in every way imaginable Mm. because it is so much of a challenge and it it takes a lot of courage and a lot of bravery to break through that it's not an easy thing to do thank you yeah no absolutely and I think um you know you mentioned that you kept this a secret for for 10 years and um and that that was a weight on you how did it It takes a tremendous amount of courage to get there, but how did it feel once you did that? And what was that first step you Mm. took to sort of break that secret?
1: Oh, um, the first, I think for me, the first part piece of it was um, around my 45th birthday. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Sorry?
0: Fabulous. Yes. Fabulous.
1: Exactly. The midlife, uh, life review, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, I, I was in a job I was not happy in. Mm-hmm. I was in a very unhealthy relationship um, that had me crying all the time. And, you know, just really, you know, doing this review of, well, I'm 45 years old, and I cry almost every single day. And I don't want to live the next 45 years in this much pain. I can't do it. And, and I knew something had to give because I was miserable. And, um, that's when I decided I'm, I'm going for therapy, like back for therapy because I've been in and out over the years, but of course, you know, only touching on the areas that I was ready to talk about. So this, you know, this piece wasn't one of them, but I knew also that, um, a lot of what was happening in my life was stuff that i was creating and perpetuating and attracting and not letting go of because of my unhealthy place right and while i didn't know what it looked like to be you know any other way i knew there had to be a way because not everybody was living the way that i was living and that were right. that miserable so i was like i will do whatever it takes at this point to not feel like this so did a deep dive into um, childhood, like doing all sorts of inner child work, doing trauma therapy, yeah. I did EMDR, I did uh, rolfing, which is somatic work to release the trauma because it's stored in our bodies, okay. um, and other forms of talk therapy. So really, and then at the same time, started doing coaches training, which was really, you know, while I was unpacking and letting go of a lot of Old ways of being, the coaching uh, program was helping me learn new ways of being in the world and thinking and perspectives. So it was, it took a team. <laughs> it really did.
0: That's actually incredible. As you're going through this sort of healing journey, you decided to take on coaching as well. What got
1: you to that point? So it's funny because I I can't give myself the credit for it. I credit a very close friend of mine who was a coach already. And I I didn't even know exactly what she did. (laughs) I just knew she was a coach. And she kept saying to me, I think you need to try this course. Like, you know, it's a weekend. Just try it. But I think you'd really like it. Because she knew, like, I was always into personal development and healing and read you know i'd read everything i could and you know was really um in that space and she was just like just try it out like if nothing else you're going to have great tools you know for management for work like you know just negotiating different kinds of, you know, Mm -hmm. and she was like, just try it out. Do me a favor. And literally just to get her off my back, I was like, fine, I will sign up for this. Right. (laughs) You know, the first afternoon I, you know, I went in and I was a deer caught in headlights because I had never been in an environment where people were so open about what they were feeling and talking about being authentic. And it was like, oh no, I come from a what world of it? secrets and shame. Like, <laughs> I don't know. And so it was just very shocking. By day two, I was like bawling my eyes out all day. i just like, oh my God, these are my people. Where have you been all my life? <laughs> it's just
0: release probably yeah, too, right? Yeah. Like just an emotional release. Completely.
1: And, your... and just not even knowing that these kinds of people existed, and it was just mm. like, "Wow, okay." Because I was always told you're too emotional, you know, wow. you're too, 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 whatever. But yeah. it, the emotional piece was big, and it was like, "I'm always getting shutting down for feeling things, but I feel big." And here it was like, "No, we welcome it." <laughs> it was yeah, like, you're like, "What?" what?
0: <laughs> what? <laughs> amazing
1: yeah and um, yeah the the coaching community has been become a very big part of my life I am still close with many of the people that I did the course with and and it was these people um, that supported me as you know as I healed and as I became ready to speak to my kids and tell them the truth they you know were, were such a huge part of it
0: that must have been a like quite a a build-up to that. Were, were they the first? Um, they were. Oh, that's
1: yes. lovely. Yes. Well, um, yeah, yes. In close, in, in my close I mean, in the, yeah, yeah. in the family, um, obviously. Yeah. Um, it, it's interesting because as I was getting ready and like feeling like, okay, I might have the courage, I did share it with a couple of people that were more acquaintances, you know, sure. and just to kind of they see, were. like, okay... What's that? Yeah, way safer. And like, Feels okay, how are safer. they reacting? Hmm. It's like, oh, they're, you know, yes, they're surprised. But, you know, I remember the first person that I told um when I when I shared it with him, he was he shared something with me of a secret of a suicide that um oh my gosh. his parents had kept. Wow. And it was like, oh my gosh, I'm not alone. Yeah. And yeah. So it was just, it was so amazing just how these people were coming into my life. And and just telling me like, you are okay, you will be okay. You're on the right path. Just keep going. Yeah. um, Yeah. So I told my kids, um, they were already, well, they were seven and four when, when my husband passed away. Mm. Uh, At this point, they were 18 and 15. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, it was very well thought out. It wasn't like, yeah, uh, you know, okay, this is what I got to tell you. So I really had, and again, it was, you know, with um, a group of people that were coaches, and um, I had done a leadership program. So they were part of this circle. We we were all very very close, and so I literally designed what I was going to say, what it was going to look like, what I was going to wear. <laughs> like, really it was that? Um, but
0: that may that probably made you feel. Like not safer, but you had to have control over something. Yeah, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, and it was it was very intentional, right down yeah. to the words and. Mm-hmm my kids were amazing about it. You know, I, I really just like, I called them up for dinner and said, I've got to tell you something before we eat. And I just was very matter of fact, you know, gave them the information they needed, took breaks to kind of let them absorb and see what questions they had. Yeah, We had an amazing conversation, you know, we're sitting around our table holding hands and they, yeah, they, they both said, you know, they wished they had known early on, which of course I understand but they also understood why I made the change that I made Uh, or sorry the choice I should say why I made the choice that I made yeah yeah (laughs) And, and that you know hearing that from them was all I needed like they were the only people at the end of the day whose opinion I really cared about yeah and um all, all the fear went away and then it was like, okay, I think I need to do, this is, this is my calling in life. Like this is my purpose. I need, you know, this is where I can find some meaning and I wanna help people who are going through similar challenges. And, you know, even if it's not around mental health or suicide, um, you know, there are so many ways that we hide who we really are and secrets that we keep. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, yeah, I just, I said to my kids, this is the work I want to do. And now I need to kind of make it public and to yeah. tell the world <laughs> about this. And Oh, my gosh. And yeah. that was
0: all in, in sort of one night? Or three.
1: No, this was over so, a couple of weeks. Like, I needed yeah. to let them, you know, absorb. absorb and, and, and yeah, yeah, there were a number of conversations. But it didn't take me long from that point yeah. to recognize this is, this is really what I needed to be doing. So they sound like two
0: truly incredible young men um, they to are. be able to handle that at, at those ages, right? And kudos to you as yeah. their
1: mother. Thank you. Um,
0: and and raising them to be strong men like Thank that. Thank
1: you. And, it, you know, it's been, it's it's ever evolving, you know, because they're mm-hmm. still yeah. maturing, they're still of growing, they're, they're dealing with their own challenges now. And so we just, we keep having conversations, but it. Mm-hmm you know, as hard as some of those conversations can be, I am so grateful to have them over the secret keeping. Yes, Uh, yes. So you
0: mentioned that when you had told them and they processed it, you knew that you were now almost free to keep going. And I thought it was really special that the individual that you told first had a similar story and suddenly you weren't alone. So that's that kind of freedom that happens. uh, when you freedom. yeah, we actually step out of that secret. Yeah. You. And life clearly
1: started to flow after that. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah.
0: Through you and for you, and that's awesome.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, what made you keep the secret for so long?
1: Um, fear. Fear and shame. Um, and, you know, I, I've talked about it um before and I, I speak very briefly about it on my website, but I was brought up in a very authoritarian household, yeah. um, very constrictive and yeah. very shame driven, and so um, shame was a very comfortable space for me. It wasn't yeah. like this was the like you know I was leading this happy life, healthy life, you know, yeah. brought up very well loved, and then suddenly I'm like, oh, let me take that on. No, right. I was always carrying that shame. I grew up in an environment where I was blamed for a lot of things that, well, everything, being born. You know? so, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I, I wasn't planned. And I got in the way oh, I of, of my mom I think... going to law school and I, I heard about it. Oh, but, no. Yeah, yeah. So oh. it was one of those things of just, okay, I accepted this was my lot in life. Yeah. And so when this, ta- you know, came up, um, I immediately went to that space of like, how is this my fault? Because everything's my fault, so this one must mm. be also. Yeah, mm. and that was just my default way of thinking. Uh, so it wasn't, you know, it, I really had very low self worth. Um, you know, I, I was, I, I, everything was, you know, driven around shame. So this was just one more piece of it, and um, so, so- it, it felt natural. Sadly.
0: Yeah, and that was just like you said, it it was your comfortable space. Yeah. And so it's, again, you know, having that courage to step outside of that that comfort zone and, you know, have conversations. And to your point earlier, like, it doesn't have to be, you know, suicide-related. There's so many mental health um, challenges that we face, particularly, I think, you know, the isolation and the fear that's going on with COVID and everything else right now. So, um what would you say to people in terms of um, how do we get to that place where we start to, and I love that the conversation in society is starting to happen, that, mm-hmm. you know, mental health is something that is the same as, you know, other conditions and things like that. And, and as I was, you know, reading your profile, you, you mentioned in there mental health, first aid, mental health.
1: Oh, mental health, first aid. Well,
0: yes. yes. What what exactly is that, and how could we sort of learn a bit about it and apply some of it? Yeah,
1: um, it's a fantastic course. It is um, offered all over North America. If you just Google mental health first aid in your city, you will find instructors who teach it. Okay. Um, essentially, it it's like a if you think about CPR as one form of first aid, you know, and it's it's. Being that person as the intervention, uh, you know, for maybe somebody who's not breathing or choking or whatever it is. Right. So they're there taking care of the person until um, the ambulance arrives. Right. This is the same thing, but for mental health challenges. So if somebody is having a panic attack, if they um, are ODing on drugs, if. Um, you know, they they have schizophrenia and they're they're out of touch with reality. Mm-hmm. It's training on how to identify what is happening. So you learn yeah. all the signs and symptoms of different mental health challenges, as well as some suicide awareness. A, a little bit of suicide awareness, yeah.
0: Um,
1: and um, yeah, and major major mental um, mental illnesses are covered in those programs. So you are then empowered and knowledgeable to be able to identify it and take care of the person until support arrives. And again, it, it's likely, arrives. yeah, it's likely going to be um, an ambulance in an extreme case, or even just being able to be that go-to to help talk somebody down, um, to be able to say, listen, here are a list of resources. Let me get you started. Yeah. So it's, it's really, it is first aid in a, in a different way.
0: I love that and i love that it is first aid because you're you know don't think that you're fully qualified to help this person yeah. deal with everything but you're qualified or you have the tools that you need to help them until um you know other help can arrive and, yeah. and more qualified so that's a i think a great uh first step or something that we could do uh because it's yeah I think everybody's like, oh, I'm first aid trained. And you know, I know how to do this. And and we don't do the same thing for, for mental health and for helping.
1: No. And that's the thing that I think, you know, going back to what you were saying about the stigma. um, I think that's a piece of it also that many of us don't know it, don't understand it, don't know what to look for, don't even know to see it in ourselves. Like I, you know, for years, didn't, even recognize it in myself until I started doing my healing work. And then it was like, oh, oh my gosh, I, I have been depressed. I know exactly when (laughs) I was having episodes, but I didn't know at the time that that's what I was experiencing.
0: Yeah. So it's almost a tool you could use for yourself too. Yeah. Like if you can recognize, you know, symptoms in yourself, that's, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. And how, how do you recommend that people reach out for help or to get support, especially, you know, during these times where we're all supposed to stay away from each other. And, yes. you know, and we do have to you know, follow the rules and I don't wanna make light of the global pandemic that we're in either. You know, we do have to do
1: these things,
0: but how do, you, how do you ask for help or how do you reach out to somebody who potentially needs help during these times in particular?
1: So I think reaching out to somebody else who um, might need help is, could just be as simple as a check-in. Or just, yeah. hey, how are you doing? Yeah. And kind of gauging it, um, you know, again, without trying to diagnose anything, just noticing, do they seem out of character? Do they seem off? Yeah. You know, are, yeah. are you like, you know, ending a call with them feeling Something really right. unsettled? Yeah. yeah. Trust your gut. Trust yeah. your gut. Um, you know, and, and again, you can always bring it up with them in a way of, you know, just saying like, I'm concerned you don't seem like yourself. Get checked out. Ask your doctor yeah. run some blood work, and that feels a little, you know, a lot easier. And most people are like, "Oh, okay, I can go for some blood work. That's that's fine." <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
0: that feels that feels normal for like physical condition, right? Too to go for blood work. Yeah, yeah. And so so that's... Uh, actually, blood work has can help you identify mental health conditions.
1: So actually, they have just figured out that there are certain markers in our blood. Um, but, but that, yeah. And, and I don't know how advanced it is, but I was just reading an article about it the other day that they can actually determine certain mental illnesses and, um, the risk of suicidality, which is quite interesting. I know. So that might be new, but at least by saying, go get the blood work, you know, you can say like, well, maybe you have a vitamin deficiency or something like that. Ask your doctor, like, you know. vitamin D, which we get from the sun, if we're inside all day, you know, can also have these kinds of impacts. So it's just getting a
0: doctor. It's a comfortable way to get someone to a doctor
1: too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and we're not diagnosing anything because yep.
0: we really we can't. are not qualified to do yeah. so. Yeah, <laughs> and even with all
1: the training that I have, and I, you know, I got a bachelor's in psychology, I still will not use any of those terms of suggestions for people because I, I know, like you know, people's back go, you know, like right, yeah. away, they're like, oh, no, I don't have that. I'm, you know, and or denial, defensive, and. Yeah you know, then you're, you're fighting with them over something that doesn't need to happen. Um, But also when it comes to people reaching out to you for support, um, Mm -hmm. you know, if they're down, if they're depressed, a lot of that, this is a question I get asked a lot of like, I have a friend who I don't know how to help her because, Mm -hmm. you know, she's in a really bad place. And, and I don't know what to say in these conversations. And it's going to seem really obvious when I say it, but it, not so obvious <laughs> until then i i say yeah. like if somebody calls you and they they're telling you they're not doing well just ask them like do you want me to help you solve something or do you just need me to listen okay they will tell okay. you right away they know exactly what they need from you
0: it it does seem simple but it's like it's almost like, should I ask that question? Like people would doubt it, right? Whether you should ask that, but just, it's so simple just to ask them what they
1: need. Yeah. I mean, well, you know, I'm just thinking like, you know, if my girlfriend calls me up and she's like venting, like so many of us just automatically go into fix it mode. (laughs) 100%. How do I fix this? All right. Right. We'll sort this out together. You and me, we got this. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And then when they don't want to be fixed, we hear about it. It's not great. Yeah. So it's just, you know, if, if you're sensing like, Oh, maybe there's something more here. Just saying like, do you just want to, talk and have me listen like how can I or even say like how can I support you
0: yeah and I think you know I just something resonated with what you just said like when you try to fix someone it will never work and they're going to get defensive and they're going to go into denial because they don't need to be fixed they may need treatment and help but there's nothing innately wrong with who they are as a human being there's nothing to fix
1: about yes me? yes, yes. <laughs> exactly
0: i <laughs> oh, just really when you said the word fix i was like great
1: <laughs> yeah they are not broken and they no. know what they need mm-hmm. and and they can tell you and and that's the thing like you know if you think about the last time you called a friend like you knew either i want advice or i just need to vent yes yeah and so if your friend asked you which one you want you'll just tell them
0: you you know why you're calling right now. Absolutely.
1: And it's just like, I'll tell you, and now let me move on and vent. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And it's also, you know, sometimes we know our bodies and ourselves better than anyone else. So if we're feeling like something is wrong and we always say this about, you know, illness, like physical illness as well, that like trust your gut. If this doctor doesn't, then go to the next one, get a second opinion, be your own advocate. It's, I think so much harder with mental um mental health challenges because it, it's your brain that's yes you know guiding this so the support network that you build around you is so critical
1: yeah to help it you get through that right and and yeah and thank you for bringing that up because I always like to to mention to like to be discerning with who you decide to talk to if you are feeling challenged yes because yeah. so often we'll go to whoever seems to be the obvious choice, but they might be someone who doesn't, who, who can't support you through that. Maybe they have their own stories about mental health and then the stigma around it Yeah, and they can't be there for you in the way that you need them to. So, you know, find the people that can like, only reach out to the people that, you know, can hold the space for you in the way that you need it. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, really can't stress enough. Like if you don't have those people in your life, if you don't know who they are right now, like as much as we all hate social media, there's like a love hate (laughs) because really like it's an amazing place, especially when we're locked down, you know, can't go out. There are so many Facebook groups on mental health support Mm -hmm. And, you know, go on there, find one, join a group and you don't have to even post anything initially, just start reading what other people are posting and then look at the responses that they're getting. Mm. And that will help you get the courage because you're going to see in like those groups are moderated and generally they are filled with people who really are such good people who want to help that don't, don't buy into the stigma that are past that. And I, I know I did this, um, you know, in the, the latter part of my healing. Um, and it was so helpful, even just to read because there were so many things that I was like, yes, 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 that's me. And then reading the support, uh, you know, and there would be times where I'm just in tears, because like complete strangers are like, I don't know you, but please DM me or I DM'd you. you know, please reach out. I'm here for you. You've got this. And like, not just one person. Like there would be like, multiple people that are saying, yeah. like, "I am here, and I reached out to you, and let me be your support person that's until amazing. you have the courage to do it yourself." Um, you know, or you can even comment on somebody else's post of, like, "Hey, I'm going through that too."
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's that's that safe space that we were talking about yes. earlier, right? Yes. Like, and I think it was um, I think it's Brene Brown who talks It like, obviously she talks about vulnerability and and this is, you know, the epitome of being vulnerable with someone and how important it is to choose who, who you almost honor with that story. Yes. With that part of yourself, because it is a very, um, I don't know if there's another word other than vulnerable space to go into. Yeah. You admit that because of all the stigma and everything else. that's Yes. And
1: people earn the right they have to earn the right to hear your story.
0: Exactly. Yes. Yes. I, I Those love are what the she words says she about used. that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm oh, not sad yeah, yeah, at all. not <laughs> it right now, but yes, they have to earn yes. the right. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's why I love you. Know you said go on and and just read in the beginning. Yeah. Observe, and it's your choice. You choose yeah. who you want to share this story with, and who you want to, you know, bring into that network with you yeah that's very powerful (laughs) so you know you've shared an incredible amount with us and I thank you very very much for that is there anything else that you think um is critical for our listeners to hear and and understand um about you know our our battle with Mm -hmm. mental health and shattering that
1: yeah (laughs) um I think, you know, and it's kind of a, a, a universal message for any kind of challenges, but just know that you're not stuck where you are. There is always mm. a way out and a, a path. And um, so you might be in a really bad place today, but there is a way out and you can find it. And I I know I did, you know, I was in that very, very dark, dark space and I can't tell you how much light there is now because I I was willing to look for it. And, you know, it takes work, but, yeah. you know, find, find the people that can support you. Cause that's another thing. Like we are not meant to do this stuff alone. So oh, find yeah. the right people and, and they will take you anywhere you need to go.
0: <laughs> and it, It's amazing. And like one person will take you to another, to another. Right. Yeah. 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 It really is about taking that that first step almost to like fresh air just that first whiff of fresh air and and you'll you'll want to take it from there yeah and i i love that um that you're not stuck because i think that is such a struggle for so many people
1: yeah and it's all we know and you know the people around us are generally around us because they think the same way and yeah. You know, and that's why we're just like, I don't know the way out. I can't talk to anybody in my life. And that's where I say like, then find the other people. Yeah. You know, it does take that work, but it is so exciting. When <laughs> you find like those you people. said about the, the coaching,
0: <laughs> your co-coaching students and friends when you first went, you were like, these are my people. Yes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> They're out
0: there. They're absolutely out there. Um, and we're not alone. Nobody's yeah. alone. And, uh, I thank you for sharing that with us and for sharing your story and for being so open and for being courageous. You are the epitome of courage in action.
1: Thank you. (laughs) Um,
0: And so I think it's truly wonderful. We will share your website um, in the description of our podcast also. So if listeners want to learn more about you and what they can do and and how they can get through this journey, um, we will share that.
1: Thank you. And, and I would love to hear from anyone if they're, you know, they were touched by anything in my story too. I, I love getting feedback from people on uh, the impact of, of me sharing my story. It, it always is so meaningful to me. And that's really what feeds me to keep going is just knowing that, that it, I am having that impact. So yes, please feel free to reach out. <laughs>
0: absolutely and I I have no doubt you have impacted so many people like I know so many things resonated with with me Um, so I'm sure that our listeners will be reaching out as well great thank you amazing so thank you so so much this was such a great conversation and it's such I can't say enough how important this conversation is to have so I, I deeply appreciate it and thank you so much
1: thank you